welcome to the New Mexico News Podcast, headlines and stories from the land of enchantment. Brought to you by KRQE. Here's Chris McKee and Gabrielle Burkhart. Well, Gabby, it is a tradition, my favorite kind of tradition. What do you mean, Chris? What are you talking about? You couldn't possibly know what we are speaking of in context to this New Mexico News Podcast? I do know it is a new year. Happy New Year, everyone. Yes, it is. And well, Gabby, I'm glad that you noted that because it's the New Mexico News Podcast annual year to year recap special. Hit the sound effect button. There we are. Yes, we have a board full of great sound we effects. Don't use the we sound don't effects use them very often, enough. but maybe yeah, you'll hear more of that. There you go. In There's 2024. The <laughs> so for the third time now, here we are at the end of a year and a new year looking at what happened. We're also looking forward to what's going to happen in 2024. Plus, we will look back at the last year in podcasting for us here where we will unceremoniously pick our favorite episode or episodes of the year and explain why. And no, I did not know I was going to be doing this. I'm looking at your note here in the rundown, (laughs) but I guess I'll participate. Easter eggs always abound in the uh, rundowns here. We like to keep each other on our toes sometimes about the questions we ask so we can get some authenticity in these answers, just a little caught off guardness in there. So at the end of this episode, we're also going to take a look back at the topics that we thought would be a big deal in 2023, see how our predictions panned out, but without any further ado, Let's get into what's ahead for 2024. Do we have another sound effect? Ooh, spooky. Okay. (laughs) KRQE News 13, your local election headquarters presents. First up, it's your voice, your vote. What would an even number year be without an election? Well, there's no such thing. So entering into 2024, even though we're still nearly a full year away from elections, We can pretty much be guaranteeing that you will hear about candidates and some big races throughout the year. And of course, there's a presidential election ahead, which will draw more people to the polls like it usually does. And within that federal election, there's also a handful of federal races for New Mexico. So as usual, New Mexico's three congressional districts will be back on the ballot, including what should be another hotly contested race for Congressional District 2. And the race for Congressional District 2 still too close to officially call. But if you look at the numbers now, this is a dead heat, 50-50 right now. That's that area covering much of southern New Mexico. And now after redistricting, stretching up into Albuquerque's west side and the South Valley, that is the district currently held by Democrat Gabe Vasquez. He won it back for the Democratic Party from Event Herald in 2022 by just about 1,300 votes or 0.7% of the vote. So a very tight race, clearly. Harrell has already declared that she'll be running for the seat for a third time, and Vasquez says he will seek re-election to a possible second term. The other two congressional districts, which haven't been as closely contested, we have incumbent Democrats Melanie Stansberry and CD1, and Teresa Ledger-Fernandez in CD3, both are expected to run for what could be their third term in office. Each of the candidates so far are not expected to face opponents from their own party in the primary. And as a reminder of these areas they serve, Melanie Stansberry represents most of Albuquerque into some of the southern New Mexico border toward Roswell. Meanwhile, Ledger-Fernandez represents much of northern New Mexico, but also some eastern parts of the state like Hobbs. 
That primary Gabby mentioned is scheduled for June 4th, and it may feature a few new Republican candidates as well. For one, former Republican State Representative Sharon Kloster-Chillage, she says she will be vying for the Republican nomination to presumably face Teresa Ledger-Fernandez in the likely November general election matchup. So far, no Republican candidate has declared for the Congressional District 1 primary. When I look at Washington these days, I see plenty of fighters. The problem is, too many are fighting for themselves. New Mexicans will have another Senate race to decide on this year, the first in four years. An incumbent and New Mexico's senior Senator Martin Heinrich is running for a third term. He declared his candidacy in the campaign video published to YouTube. Federal election data shows five other candidates have filed for this race, as well, including Republican Benjamin Luna and Reese Wright McDonald, Independents Cameron Chick and Jerry Rose, and Democrat Joshua Kenderdine. To note, though, almost anyone can file, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll see their name on the ballot. Here in New Mexico, the race for the Roundhouse could be the real drama. Republicans and Democrats are battling for control of the state House and Senate, with all 112 jobs up for grabs. So state elections will also be something to watch out for this year, with all 70 of New Mexico's House seats going up for election, along with all 42 state Senate seats. This will also be the first election for state lawmakers in the Roundhouse under that latest round of redistricting that wrapped up in late 2021. So there will definitely be some stories coming out of the election this year for state politics. So, for example, just a few things to look forward to. An Albuquerque district that used to represent the downtown area, it has been redrawn to represent parts of the west side. It's one of two completely overhauled districts in the mix. Meanwhile, there's a couple more lawmakers who won't seek re-election. These are longtime figures in the roundhouse, including Democratic Senator Jerry Ortiz Pino and also Republican Senator Stuart Engel. Both say they will not run for re-election. And there's plenty of other races that we'll see unfold over this next year. But one last notable one that we'll mention is the race for Bernalillo County District Attorney. Sam Bregman was appointed to the role last year to finish out the term of Raul Torres, who's now the attorney general in New Mexico. Originally, Bregman said he would not run for election. So let's be clear. I told the governor, and she'll tell you this, that I did not want to go past two years. This is no insult to the politicians up here whatsoever. But I believe it is going to be so liberating as a district attorney that's going to be there for, for two years to be able to make decisions never, ever worried or even let it, not that, not that anybody has, but never, ever let it get into your head a political consideration, but instead just do what's best for this community. But he changed his mind mid-year, announcing he will run for election. We know at this point he will face a primary challenger, that being former U.S. Attorney Damon Martinez. For our frequent listeners of the podcast, we've had them both on this year, so you can get an idea of the different approaches both of these candidates take toward criminal justice. So far, we haven't heard of any Republican candidates come out and say they will run. Okay, continuing ahead, our second big topic here will take place pretty quickly into the new year. Another legislative session. I kind of subtitled this one, Guns, Money, and More Rebates? Question mark. This time it is a condensed session. It is 30 days, mostly budget focused, half as long as last year's. Democrats maintain control of all three chambers of the roundhouse. 
So again, that session starts in January. And with a shorter session, you can expect that there will be once again a big push to addressing crime. And I think this year, probably a lot more discussion on firearm legislation. The governor today said she was expecting pushback, but she held her ground as she announced a 30-day ban on open and concealed carry laws in Bernalillo County. We can likely expect more talk about that gun legislation this year based on what Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham did earlier last year after the fatal drive-by shooting outside of Isotopes Park, resulting in the death of an 11-year-old boy named Froilan Villegas. Shortly after that, on September 8th, the governor enacted a temporary ban on open and concealed carry in public places in Bernalillo County. You'll remember that was another focus of a podcast episode we did here. That order later changed to a ban on open and concealed carry in parks and playgrounds in Bernalillo County. And it's something the governor continued to extend through the end of the year. But I have to take a tough, direct stand where basically I'm just ignoring the fact that we lost an 11-year-old another child. The state is also once again facing another big budget year with oil and gas continuing to generate a lot of money for New Mexico. So after two straight years of tax rebates, big question will be whether New Mexicans get another one in 2024. There are no real indications as of yet when we're recording this. Last year, it was $500 per person or $1,000 per family for New Mexico families or people who filed state taxes in 2021. In 2022, it was a couple different bills, which gave as much as $700 for individuals and $1,500 per families. Again, those were all tax rebates over the last couple years from the state. State revenues are strong, but will be slowing down from historic growth. We know legislators will have a little more than $3.4 billion to work with in January when they come up with the next budget. Funding-wise, we know from a December meeting of state lawmakers that New Mexico is on track to draw in a record amount of funds for the next budget year, $13 billion. Lawmakers should have about $3 billion in so-called new money to spend when planning for that next budget. But in the latest discussion, there was also some talk about how big the state's budget has gotten. But my own internal unofficial calculation of the amount of requests that we have received to date between recurring, non-recurring and capital outlay is about $5 billion. As far as what lawmakers could debate, pre-filing of bills begins on January 2nd. Any bill that is discussed has to be approved for debate by the governor. So in other words... It's a 30-day session, and the governor has total control over what gets debated, picking and choosing what goes, quote, on the call. And it is January 2nd, the day that you are hearing this. So start looking out for those pre-filed bills on nmlegis.gov, or you can always just watch the news. Should the school year have a shorter summer and longer breaks year-round? That's the question one metro area school district is asking parents, which would be a big departure from decades of having a long summer vacation. Next topic should be an interesting one for parents as it relates to the state's largest school district, Albuquerque Public Schools, and if they will pursue yet another different school calendar this year. Already this school year since it started in June was different for a lot of families, including my family. Yes. As a parent of an elementary school age kid, I can tell you it's been a little rough in our household. APS shifted the start times for each school level by a lot. Elementary school kids now start between 7.30 and 8 a.m., get dismissed around 2.30 and 3 p.m. Middle school and high schoolers now start and end their school days later. 
So the changes come as APS and all other school districts around the state face the addition of more instructional hours to their school year. That came under a change in state law. So meanwhile, alongside those changes, APS is looking at a bigger shift, possibly to the length of breaks between different school years and also the length of breaks that you see dotted throughout the school year. So another podcast plug here. We did talk about this a bit with Scott Elder during an episode of NMNP, as I call it for short. One of the things the outgoing superintendent mentioned is really how the school calendar was created decades ago. I mean, many decades ago, all in alignment with the farming season. And that summer being the harvest point where kids needed the most time off to help their families farm. It is not really what we see these days. But of course, the schedule has not changed. APS had a whole process again of surveying parents about the idea of what's called a quote, balanced school calendar. Essentially, a balanced calendar would mean a school opts for an extended fall, winter and spring breaks while shortening the summer breaks to create a more evenly spread out learning schedule. The survey ended on December 17th, and we will likely get the idea of the results and any possible decision from the district soon. So, yeah, potentially more changes for you ahead. School parent, Gabby. Yes, I can't wait. I hope it's good. (laughs) So we're going to umbrella a series of local government and private developments in this next topic, focused on the metro area mostly. We will call this one ABQ development for lack of a better term. There are a bunch of big projects to talk about. Some of these projects to watch out for actually date back to 2022, but a few more of them are from the recent 2023 calendar year. Let's start, though, with one of the oldest that we are waiting on, something that's expected at the Sunport, that being Universal Hydrogen. It was big news for Albuquerque, a company called Universal Hydrogen, promising hundreds of new jobs on a lot near the Sunport. But nearly two years later, that lot is still empty. They're a California-based firm that promised back in March 2022 to build a quarter billion dollar operation at the Sunport's Aviation Center of Excellence. That's what used to be a runway that ended on Gibson near Girard. You may remember for years there was an old plane parked right on the end of it where you could see it driving by. The company, Universal Hydrogen, they want to start building and distributing hydrogen fuel storage capsules and airplane retrofitting kits from that Albuquerque hub that they've promised. But so far, we haven't really had any news from the company. The last development was in January of 2023 when the city approved LIDA, that is Local Economic Development Act funding. The state gave the company $10 million, the city of Albuquerque chipping in $2 million more. What the state has done, along with the city, is we put some money on the table and said, we'll help you hire those workers when you're ready to do it. And so that money is still available. They haven't broken any ground on the site yet. And the big question remains, will this come true? Or will it be another story of a promised development that disappears in Albuquerque? Yeah, we certainly have seen some of those, even one downtown I can think of. There was supposed to be a big call center by a company called Tascas, and that was supposed to build in downtown. But again, one of those things that we can point to where we've seen all the state lawmakers, everybody coming together, saying how great this thing is going to be, and then quietly things fade away. That has happened a lot. and, And we do wonder What is next for Universal Hydrogen? Again, we just don't really have any answers. Construction at the Albuquerque International Sunport is in full swing. Meanwhile, at the Sunport, by the end of the year, the city should finish up its Dream of Flight renovation project inside the terminal. So just before Christmas, the Sunport opened a new TSA passenger security checkpoint, 
with more space for lines to queue up, also more lanes for travelers to flow through. Next up is transforming the old TSA area into a new space for restaurants and retail. Also, this was the subject of a podcast episode this year, so please go back in your feed if you haven't. If you haven't heard it, it still exists. There's plenty of stuff in there. Go listen, folks. Another city development that should get further this year, the Gateway Center. We just talked about this on the New Mexico News Podcast as well. I'm seeing a theme here with Mayor Tim Keller. About 100 overnight beds are available there as of now. The mayor says he expects the facility will open another 200 overnight beds and a 24-7 emergency drop-off center is on the horizon. That should be a a game changer, the city says, for serving the homeless population in Albuquerque. But I think as many of us have seen, and I think even the mayor admitted on our, our Mexico News podcast episode, it has been a bit of a slow burn leading up to it getting fully fleshed out, so to speak. Good evening. It's another hurdle cleared for New Mexico United with city councilors last night approving a lease agreement for a new soccer stadium at Balloon Fiesta Park. On the quality of life side, the New Mexico United may very well break ground on its future stadium plan for Balloon Fiesta Park. The stadium isn't quite a done deal yet. There's definitely more steps to go in 2024 to include site prep and utility work. The city is expected to do that before the stadium can really start building up. The Environmental Planning Commission, they did green light plans for the stadium. Plus, the city council has approved an agreement for United to lease the property that the stadium is expected to go on. I was hearing just like rumors in the community that it might happen, but that's happened forever, you know, that they're going to come here and they never do. One of the biggest Albuquerque developments in terms of people having a reaction to it is a smaller one, but worth mentioning. Drum roll, please. We're talking about In-N-Out Burger. The California franchise says it will officially expand into New Mexico. Their press release from November said, quote, initial development plans are underway for locations in Albuquerque to open by 2027 with future expansion to other cities in the years beyond. So while the company hasn't given a specific timeline on exactly when they will open their first New Mexico location, we know a few things based on that press release. They said locations with an S, which sounds like they have plans to open multiple in Albuquerque. Secondly, that announcement, we understand at least one of those will go at the UNM South Campus area off of Gibson near I-25. So could the first In-N-Out Burger open in 2024? As cliche news reporting goes, time will tell. Yes, and I find that press release always fascinating because there was a lot of reporting that jumped forward and said, oh, they'll be open in 2027. But you really got to nuance the words in there where, Mm -hmm. as you mentioned, you know, that locations by 2027, which means maybe this will be another lot of latitude there. Slow rollout, if you will. Yeah, and, and it means that one could be here before you know it. We're saving the potential biggest for last in this development discussion, the solar company called Maxion, which says it will build a massive solar panel manufacturing hub at Mesa del Sol that is out near the Sunport. Now, the company is promising 1,800 jobs, and it says it will hire, quote, quite soon for some initial positions. We've got a blank slate to build at on Mesa del Sol, meaning 
They're not moving into an existing building or a pad site. The company does expect, though, that they will finish construction, as they said in their 2023 announcement. They'll finish construction by 2025. So we are likely to start seeing some development if it happens starting this year. We are going to need people on the ground to manage the construction of the project, to uh, start putting the infrastructure in place. Absolutely, our focus is definitely on the local community. We'd love to have people that live right here and work right here. Mayor Keller, on our interview with him in December, equated that development to what Intel helped do for the metro area decades ago. Intel, by the way, is also in the mix for 2024 as they continue an expansion at the Rio Rancho facility. So 2023 also had a lot of remarkable stories tied to crime. So we covered a few specific crimes here on New Mexico News Podcast, and we'll kind of get to them as they start to fill out here through 2024. And we should also say that there are some stories from 2022 that we're still awaiting outcomes in the court. So Let's start with some of those notable cases. A case we mentioned earlier in the episode from September, 11-year-old Froilin Viegas, who was shot and killed outside of Isotopes Park in what investigators have called a case of mistaken identity. These cowards mixed up the two vehicles and shot into the wrong vehicle, taking the life of a young man. Three suspects in that case, Jose Romero, Nathan Garley, and Daniel Gomez, are all facing murder charges. Investigators have accused the three of shooting at a family's car as it was leaving an isotopes game. Albuquerque police say the three were in a Dodge Durango and fired 17 shots at the car the boy was in when they were leaving the game, killing Froilin and wounding his 24-year-old cousin, Tatiana. Police say the group was targeting people who were in a different white truck. But first tonight, the failed Republican candidate accused of masterminding the shootings at the homes of Democratic politicians is now facing federal charges. The feds unsealed an indictment against Solomon Pena, as well as a father and son accused of helping him carry out the conspiracy. Following Pena's false claims, the election was rigged. Solomon Pena is also awaiting a trial in federal court. Now, we reported on Pena at the beginning of the year. He's accused of masterminding a plot to shoot guns at the homes of several politicians living in Albuquerque, including Speaker of the House Javier Martinez, State Senator Linda Lopez, and Bernalillo County Commissioners Debbie O'Malley, who's now retired, and Commissioner Adrian Barboa. Notably, all four of those politicians are Democrats. Investigators believe Pena participated in some of those shootings. He was charged federally in May alongside his accused co-conspirators, Demetrio Trujillo and Jose Luis Trujillo. All three men are accused of election interference. Again, the federal court, the federal level. The shootings took place after the November 2022 midterm election where Pena, a Republican, lost a race for a House seat. Police say Galilea Samniego was shot in the head and killed during a drive-by shooting while she was sleeping inside a mobile home in southwest Albuquerque last month. Another case the governor pointed to when she launched her public health order on firearms, five teens, including four juveniles and one adult, are awaiting the next steps in the murder of five-year-old Galilea Samaniego. The child was asleep inside of a bedroom in a mobile home in Albuquerque when she was shot. Investigators say five teens stole two SUVs in Albuquerque, then drove to that mobile home and opened fire. The group is accused of shooting at the mobile home in an effort to target another teenager. 
Investigators say the feud started years earlier after two teens got into a fight in middle school over a girl, and that dragged on for years. Again, five suspects are facing charges for the five-year-old girl's death. Good afternoon. We begin with developing news. The three former players at the center of the NMSU hazing scandal are now facing criminal charges. Three former New Mexico State University basketball players, they're also facing criminal trials for allegations tied to hazing on the basketball team. This was also a podcast episode we covered in 2023. The players accused are Dr. Bradley, DeShondre Washington, and Kim Aiken Jr. Investigators claim all three former players hazed and sexually assaulted other teammates over at least four months in late 2022. This is a case that is being prosecuted by the attorney general's office led by Raul Torres. They were bombshell confessions to cold case murders that had left families without answers for more than 30 years. Paul Abadaka is still awaiting trial on three cold case murders that authorities have implicated him on. This all unfolded in 2021. Apodaca was found by police on the UNM campus and started confessing to murders that had taken place 30 years ago. He eventually confessed to an Albuquerque police detective to three murders, 21-year-old Althea Oakley in 1988, shooting and killing 13-year-old Stella Gonzalez the following month, and the shooting death of Caitlin Arquette in 1989. There was some drama in 2023 surrounding whether or not those confessions would stand in trial as Apodaca has pleaded not guilty in the cases despite his confessions. Ultimately, a judge ruled that most of those confessions will be allowed as evidence in his trial. I hope that what we do for education, the parents, the children, the educators, the administrators in public schools would appreciate the path forward that we have taken on behalf of all of our children. We're still also awaiting the trial of Cheryl Williams Stapleton, the former prominent state lawmaker and APS administrator accused of stealing district funds. Her Southeast Albuquerque home, it was raided all the way back in July 2021 by the state attorney general's office, then led by Hector Balderas. Investigators allege that Williams Stapleton spent years convincing the school district to contract with a specific software company that was supposed to be doing work with students. But investigators say the company that got the contract wasn't legitimate. And they say Stapleton was funneling money paid to that contract into her personal accounts. She is still facing more than two dozen felonies. And we know that she is still a suspect in a federal investigation as well. One last set of cases to mention is Alec Baldwin and Hannah Gutierrez. They're tied to the fatal shooting of cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the film Rust. Gutierrez is now facing two criminal cases, including one where she's accused of bringing a gun into a Santa Fe bar before the Rust shooting. The second one is that ongoing involuntary manslaughter case tied to that fatal October 2021 shooting of Helena Hutchins. According to recent reports, Baldwin is expected to be recharged at some point in the case. Special prosecutors are now handling that case. So we didn't get to everything. There will certainly be more cases that come up. I think of Ryan Martinez, the accused Onyate protest shooter in the Española area. Um, those were certainly some of the ones, though, that stood out to us as the biggest to keep an eye on in 2024. To wrap up our What's Ahead discussion, we should throw out a couple of grab bag items, a few things to note. The movie industry is back after strikes in 2023, and New Mexico should see a restart 
of productions in that realm. Yeah, there's also a new look for Albuquerque City Council, and that includes three new city councilors replacing some legends of council, you could say. Pat Davis, Isaac Benton, Trudy Jones, they've all left the council, combined roughly 30 years of service for Albuquerque as city councilors between those three. They'll be replaced by Nicole Rogers, Joaquin Baca in District 2, replacing Benton, and Dan Champagne. He is replacing um, the seat that Trudy Jones vacated. It should be an interesting year to see how these folks figure their voice out on council and maybe play or not play nice with each other, maybe shake things up in that balance of power. We shall see. The Sandia tram will enter a new era. They're replacing mechanical systems from the 60s with newer modern computerized systems. The tram has promised it should make the trip up just a little bit faster. Yeah, that should be an interesting one, I feel like, because if you look at the old control panels of the tram, it's like it looks like um, Apollo 13 type stuff with these big <laughs> buttons, um, plastic labels. It's very old, old technology. You may see an increased presence in the skies over Albuquerque in 2024 as well, because BCSO has launched its air unit following the 2022 fatal helicopter crash. Metro One is the helicopter that BCSO now has up. It is promising to do just law enforcement associated patrols with that chopper, that as opposed to the firefighting missions that preceded the crash of Metro Two again back in 2022. BCSO says it intends to get another larger helicopter like that one that crashed. However, there is no timeline on when that may happen. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we will check in on our 2023 predictions. Were we right about the big news stories that we predicted? Plus our favorite podcasts of 2023. we're back. GB, let's talk about if we were right on some of these 2023 topics. What is your just percentage guess? hundred percent? I mean, I think we were pretty <laughs> on point in a lot of our predictions. There were some things, certainly. And if we weren't right, then it's not our fault. Yeah, exactly. It's, <laughs> it's the world's fault, you could say. So yeah, let's start with that first one, wildfire season. I think the question we were asking at the end of last year was whether or not 2023 would bring a harsh new wildfire season, quite like what we saw in 2022. That year ended with Hermit's Peak, Calf Canyon, um, as the largest wildfire in New Mexico history. Well, we did see some fires in 2023. It really was not nearly as big as 2022. And um, just a very different year in terms of the attention that we saw on wildfires in 2023. We kind of see that back and forth shift though. It seems yeah. like you get a really, really rough year for wildfires and then it get, lets you breathe a little bit, if you will, the following year. Yeah. Big criminal trials. We mentioned some of these. Cheryl William Stapleton, Paul Krebs. Just an hour ago, a jury found former UNM Athletics Director Paul Krebs not guilty of two counts of embezzlement. Stephen Ray Baca. Man behind a high profile shooting at a protest in Old Town nearly three years ago took a plea deal today. While he admitted to some crimes that day, he's off the hook for the shooting. Sergio Almanza. The verdict is in for a man who admitted to hitting and killing a seven year old boy outside the River of Lights in Albuquerque nearly two years ago. 
The jury found Sergio Almanza guilty on all counts today. It's after a week-long trial and roughly eight hours of deliberation. Yeah, and we should say Sergio Almanza, if you don't remember him, he was the person accused um, and convicted again uh, in the River of Lights crash that took the life of uh, Pranoy Bhattacharya. Um, and then as well, you, you may remember uh, Paul Krebs, former athletic director for the University of New Mexico. It was a pretty interesting trial to see. Um, he was facing some charges over essentially money management for the university and uh, again, acquitted. So a lot of those trials did come to fruition. But yes, as Gabby mentioned, we're still waiting on Cheryl William Stapleton and Paul Apodaca. So we also talked about redistricting last year. Will those new maps that got approved in late 2021, will they be overturned? So in July, the Supreme Court okayed the GOP, the state Republican Party's challenge of the redistricting maps. So that approval sent the challenge into a district court trial in front of a judge in Lee County. That judge found there was some gerrymandering in the Democratic-controlled process the judge did not force the redrawing of the maps and those maps and that decision was eventually upheld by the state Supreme Court in September. So what it feels like is redistricting and that saga is likely over at this point. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier in this episode, we'll see how those maps work out in the state elections now set to come in November. New year, new maps. Bernalillo County law enforcement leaders change in guard. We mentioned that at the top of 2023, we've got a new sheriff and a new district attorney, and we have seen them working now for a while. Sam Bregman, we talked about him a little earlier. He settled into the role of Bernalillo County district attorney and again announced he is running for re-election. And Bernalillo County Sheriff John Allen is also settling into his role as sheriff. And we've seen that play out in 2023. Both of those men we have had on the podcast. So if you want to hear from them specifically, you can also go back in your feed and listen to some of the things that John Allen has changed up in his role as sheriff in Bernalillo County. Uh, they're no longer doing the on live on patrol reality TV. And also Sam Bregman has been on the podcast to talk about some of the focused changes that he is implementing there at the Bernalillo County District Attorney's Office. I think one of the things that both of those guys have emphasized in a lot of news conferences so far has just been this idea of continued collaboration. It's always kind of there, but I think both of them have gone out of their way to really make it a point in pretty much anything that they do. So right now, from what we're sort of seeing on the outside, is that everybody is uh, getting along. And you really don't have to look all that far back for when that really was not the case, whether it was, um, you know, a conflict between the city of Albuquerque and the sheriff's office, or also even the DA a couple DAs ago, Carrie Brandenburg. I know there was um, an ongoing dispute that existed uh, between Albuquerque police and prosecution, um, sort of the leadership and the prosecutorial office of the county. Okay. And again, Virgin Galactic, we mentioned as a topic, like this is going to be the I year. I feel like we mention this every year well, since yeah, the inception of this podcast. This being our third episode now um, of our year recaps, it has been a part of each one of them actually. Yeah. Now. So um, we have yet to do a full episode on Virgin Galactic. I, think, I feel like it's ripe to yeah. do one because there are, while we did see some success here in uh, 2023, I think one thing 
was how 2023 ended that has left a big question mark once again over the future of this anchor tenant for the spaceport. So it was a successful year in the sense that they had their first research mission. They also carried multiple flights of their first paid passengers. I believe it was five space flights with customers, but another one fully crewed space flight preceded those. So it was actually a total of six flights in 2023 from the spaceport for Virgin Galactic. However, after that fifth one, they paused flights for the rest of the year and laid off nearly 200 workers at Virgin Galactic. And they said that their focus was to put all of their efforts into the next-gen space liner that's going to be built out in Arizona. So far, Virgin Galactic says from Spaceport, they expect in 2024 to do at least two more flights, um, as opposed to the monthly flights that they promised when they sort of began to launch things in 2023. So maybe that gives you a little discrepancy. Yeah. We're going to do it every month. And then now we're just, we're promising two, at least two. Yeah. At least two in 2024. And it just, again, it points to the fact that like, as the years go by, the plans have kind of um, really changed. Nobody quite knows exactly what this private company does. And they are again, the anchor tenant. They are the reason why New Mexico poured you know, hundreds of millions of dollars into that facility out in the middle of the desert. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, right again, for a, a full podcast watch. episode. Yeah. So yeah, stay let tuned, us know folks. your thoughts. Folks. Yeah. Also NMSU basketball, the program's future. We got into this a lot in 2023. We mentioned the criminal charges against the now former Aggies. The team has basically been completely overhauled with a new staff, new players. So we will continue to keep an eye on how their basketball program's future plays out in 2024. To note as well, after the Rio Grande rivalry was canceled at the end of 2022 and into early 2023, three, those games did kick back off this season. We already saw both teams match up at each one of their courts, the Lobos winning both contests for the 2023-24 basketball season. So one year break from the rivalry based on a lot of the the situations that occurred with NMSU basketball, but it's back now. And Lobo basketball, as we were talking about good fortunes under Richard Patino. We did an episode about this the new coach had a hot streak for the Lobos. I should say newer coach. This is, I believe, now his third season. Hot streak with the Lobos at the beginning of the 2022-23 season. Lobos are actually on another hot streak in 2024 as we're recording this on the day of December 18th. Uh, the Lobos are 10-1. and one. I wanted progress uh, from, from last year. I think we're showing that. But I told them yesterday... After 10 games, obviously we didn't lose last year after 10 games, but we were in a similar spot. So we can't be complacent. Uh, We got to continue to get better and better and better as the year goes on. So uh, certainly after 10 games, very, very happy with where we're at. The question though, I think they will face, can they keep it going? The Lobos ended last season, 22 and 12. Great record, but still, when you look at the conference record, that's where things count, right? In terms of uh, tournament and placement, they were 8-10 and 10 in the Mountain West Conference, so just under 500 there. They didn't make the tournament, but many people have really been continually encouraged by head coach Richard Pitino. And I think to note, maybe we'll insert it here, Richard Pitino has also been encouraged 
by Jared Chester's mustache, oh. something he commented on in yeah. a recent news conference. I don't, yeah, I don't know if encouraged is the right <laughs> word I would use. Maybe uh, definitely struck yeah. by it. Starstruck, <laughs> stash struck. Is that a thing? I don't know. But um, now 10 games in, I mean, how are you liking the progression of your team and after a great performance? Did you expect your team to be playing at this level right now? I think your mustache is better than anything uh, my team is doing. So I, I didn't expect that coming out of the gates this early in the day. So it looks terrific. Um, but I think after what, 10 games? I don't even know what your question was. What was the question? <laughs> it's just, it's just it's breathtaking. Yeah, no. It's just, yeah. That was pretty funny. We'll moment. see if uh, Jared <laughs> keeps up that stash in 2024. That's you one of my you, questions. Jared, you do you, my man. <laughs> Okay, so I promised at the beginning of this episode that we would talk podcast shop a little bit. I want to bore you guys, but uh, just as kind of a little bonus here left. Um, we've had a chance to talk about all the things we talked about in 2023 on the NMNP. So, Gabby, I want you to break it down with me. Your favorite podcast episode of New Mexico News Podcast for this year what do you what do you think or that we covered that we covered yeah. i said this year i'm at 2023 okay yeah i i think at the very top of my list will have to be the episode we did with uh former new mexico state police chief pete cassettas okay um he was just so candid it really peeled back the curtain for us on what it was like to lead the state police through what was a pretty controversial time, I think, yeah. for police and the public. And um, he now owns a bar in Old Town and seems to be doing pretty well. And it was just a, a really good discussion. We got a lot of feedback on that one and continue to, yeah, I that, think. That seemed to draw in at least a few new listeners to the fold. Because, um, yeah, this podcast can be very much about interesting interviews with newsmakers here. And I feel like that was one of them. And to note, I mean, shortly after we talked to Pete, he threw himself right back into the yes. whole law enforcement grind um, in, in a different capacity. Of course, he's kind of working as a consultant. That's my own word, but I know he has a formal title. This is um, in relation to uh, the governor's work uh, yeah. following those health orders uh, related to firearms. So you did you have a favorite one that we did? I really enjoyed the um, discussion we had with Kyle Hartsock about case catcher. Those who know me a little bit more outside of the podcast, you may know I, I'm pretty interested in technology and and I have made it a lot of the point of the work that I do here at this station to help our people be more efficient with the work that they do. There's a lot of technology that gets involved behind the scenes for news yeah. and news operation and when it comes to archive management, pulling old video we have a lot of different types of archives too. And so I felt a somewhat of a symbiosis, you could say in that conversation when Kyle got to talking about just the work that they had done to build this platform out, which case catcher, again, it, it sort of aggregates all the police evidence, whether it's photos, video, paperwork, all the different types of paperwork that, that they have to file. It aggregates that all into a singular sort of platform that the district attorney's office can use to just basically better inform their people and make sure cases don't slip through the cracks, so to speak. So I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, um, that was a good one. A good episode just to kind of give you that behind the scenes look, because I think, you know, so much of what we hear is 
you know, why aren't the police doing anything? And there's a number of answers about what that would the answer to that question. Right. But the general idea of, you know, people get upset about a crime and they say, why didn't they do that thing? And, um, I think some of it has directly pointed over the last several years of just like the organizational mess that they have to get through when it comes to collecting the aggregate of data that they need to pursue a case. And so, that should be the, the check bark of one less thing that they have to worry about in that sector. So yeah. really enjoyed that podcast. That was a good one. We also wanted to address the other podcasts that maybe we listen to. What is your favorite podcast that you listen to outside of our own? I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I feel like The Daily gives you a good kind of glimpse of what's happening maybe globally and um, it's a good, you know, news podcast if you want to just get an idea of, of what else is going on outside of New Mexico. So that's a good one. Their credits always crack me up because they have like, you know, a staff of 30 plus people, I feel like. And every time I listen to the end, I'm just like, the New Mexico news podcast, folks, is Chris and myself. So I feel like we should give each other uh, some credit. But also, uh, yeah, shout out. There, there it is. Oh, there's our credit. All right. Pat on the back. Shout out to my mentor at WFAA, Jason Whiteley. He co-hosts Yolitics there in Texas, which is how I kind of stay informed with all of my Texas news where my family lives. So that's another good one. Um, I have more, but I, I won't bore you with my library. I also do try to, you know, every now and then pause the podcast and just listen to music in my car. True. Music. The other thing where people yeah. say words. Yeah. <laughs> What about you? Yeah, a couple of them. I, I listen to The Daily quite often to just sort of, I think, try to understand a lot of the large national stories that are out there. That's obviously one of the most um, well-listened to podcasts out there. I think one of my favorite ones, and I've actually checked out of this for quite some time, but it is it is the one that makes me laugh the most is How Did This Get Made? It's a podcast about bad movies. I may have mentioned this a long ago on this podcast, but they really do basically talk about all of the um, terrible movies that you've heard are out there. And the three hosts, June Diane Raphael, Jason Manzukis, and Paul Shearer, they're all, they all work in Hollywood. So they kind of get the uh, ins and outs of the business and also really have a lot of funny stuff to say about some really just tragically terrible movies. So there was one, um, I watched a movie this year, After Earth, Will Smith and his son, some weird stuff going on in that movie and they did a great episode about after earth that is fun to listen to so you know let us know what podcasts you listen to other than this we know that uh, podcast listeners tend to have a lot of different tastes about what they pull into their ears so there's lots of niche everything is like you can find something for everyone it seems like movies music whatever oh. so Thanks for sticking with us for another year. For the New Mexico News Podcast listeners, we appreciate all of you and we appreciate the tips that come in. We I feel like we're getting more of them daily, yeah. which is a good thing. Absolutely. We always appreciate the feedback and uh, the ideas. If you have a tip or an idea, you can always send it in um, at chris.mckee at krqe.com, also at chrismckeetv. And I'm Gabrielle.Burkhart at krqe.com via email and gburknm on social media. Happy New Year and thanks for listening. <laughs>